We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 507 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Hilton, and first and foremost, I want to thank everybody that helped with that Real Betis 5-0. There is something about the five goals. You want to call it La Manita, you can. There is something special about La Manita that does seemingly get people in a good mood, so they subscribe to the channel and help me get to that 15K mark. I am still working at 20K. I'd love to get there by the end of the year. I want to do a little special something and maybe even a giveaway if I can get to 20K before the new year. So please subscribe, especially if Barcelona are going to keep hitting 5-0s. That's two consecutive games, 10 goals, really incredible. Most importantly, Barcelona start the Champions League campaign with a win. And honestly, when I looked at this starting lineup, just two changes from Barcelona's win over Betis at the weekend. Gundogan and Rafinha replacing Romeu and Ferran Torres, which is totally fair to me, keeping the back line intact as well. Because I know there's an argument that, hey, Champions League against Royal Antwerp, I know on paper it looks like you should be prioritizing La Liga. We are already a few points down on Real Madrid, who have been perfect so far, and you dropped the first few points against Adafe to start the year. But Barcelona looked good, and Liga, as I always remind you, is a long and taxing road. While the Champions League, yeah, you got six match days to win your group, and then you're already on to the knockout. And I want to give credit to Mark von Bommel this week because, again, a former teammate of Xavi's, the player that in 2006 was the reason why Andres Iniesta wasn't a consistent starter. And when Xavi went down with an injury, Van Bommel kind of took it as his own. It was an important player for that 2006 Champions League winning side under Frank Reichardt. And I think he said all the right things. He gave credit to Xavi and Barcelona and said, yeah, they're a big team and all that stuff. But I, I know Xavi pretty well. And I feel like he really played coy with... Not necessarily how much of an underdog where Antwerp were going to be, but the fact that Barcelona in the past have slipped up in the Champions League. And when there's an opponent like this that they haven't played too often, this is actually the first ever match between Barcelona and Royal Antwerp in UEFA competition. They did meet in the Intercity Fairs Cup at the 1965-66 season, and Barcelona lost the first leg in Belgium 2-1. Then they won 2-0 in the second leg at the Camp Nou. But other than that, not a lot of history. They even haven't faced a team from Belgium in 21 years. So it's been a while since they faced a team from that country. And yeah, I know people aren't calling the Belgian league a top five league, but you cannot underestimate a team that won their league the previous season. However, Barcelona with a better team from start to finish. So let's dive in. Again, one more reminder, subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. But let's dive right into those five headlines. Headline one is first passage through. The first 10 minutes of the game 
where Barcelona gained to know their opponent. There was never a moment when it felt like in the first 10 minutes, like we're all Antwerp, we're going to get on the front foot. We're putting Barcelona under any pressure whatsoever. It was really Barcelona just kind of figuring out their spacing, figuring out where the holes were in Royal Antwerp. And I want to say that, yeah, maybe it's really calculated like that, but it could also just be that the team was at home against an opponent they didn't know really well, getting their legs underneath them. And because they weren't punished for not really coming at 100% from the opening whistle, they were able to find a way as a unit into that game. But once they did figure them out, Gundogan and Lewandowski ate them up, particularly in that first half. Barcelona in a 4-3-3 defending in a few months they had to defend. And in that 3-2-5 in attack, with the little wrinkle being that Gundogan is farther forward and Gabi is dropping in with De Jong. And with that combination, Gundogan widely created a numerical advantage on the left. Things can get congested and you're in trouble if you give up a counterattack. But if you can operate in those tight spaces, those numerical advantages means that the free man should be in a dangerous position. And that's exactly what happened for the first goal. De Jong and Gabi pushed into Royal Antwerp's half. Gundogan came central as Lewandowski dropped into the left. And this, while Balde was wide to the left and João Felix stayed high. So with the right back having to stay wide for Balde... Felix was 1v1 off the right shoulder of the center back. If somebody could find him with a pass and a tidy combination between the old Dortmund mates, Lewandowski and Gundogan did just that. Bypassing that retreating midfield, Felix received, got to his right foot and put it where the keeper wasn't. It's a well-worked goal by Barcelona. And just like that game against Real Batiste, these are the kind of goals that you say, all right, Barcelona, conceptually, it's a team goal. Yeah, it was a good finish by Felix. Credit to him and good in buildup. But a lot of different players deserve credit for the way that they broke down where Antwerp found the spaces, operated well in those tight spaces, and found the man they needed to, who did his job and finished it off. Headline two is De Jong with a dime. The second goal was scored by Lewandowski and assisted by João Felix, but this is all about the pass from De Jong, taking advantage of the Royal Antwerp players with something to learn, and a team that was, I'd say, not prepared for the Champions League, but this is a huge step up in the quality of player that they regularly face in the Belgian league, as well as in those Champions League qualifiers that got them to this spot. It's a step up in quality from Barcelona. And you saw it. The right back, Butai, was caught flat-footed with his hips turned the wrong way, giving Felix the chance to run in behind him. And while he did catch up, Felix had time to pick up his head and find Lewandowski at the back post. And while it is a mistake by the right back for his positioning, De Jong was the one who found the ball, bypassed both the forward line and the midfield line of that medium block that, I mean, at times it also looked like a low block, but it really was set up as a medium block attempting to counterattack. Barcelona just always in the right spot. And at this point, too, I obviously want to say, yes, De Jong was sensational, as was Koundé and Christensen once again, just rocks. They were the reason, and a lot of 50-50 balls won by Koundé. And even if he wasn't the one who made contact, so he doesn't get credit for it statistically, he position-wise was perfect. It seemed like the one little wrinkle or the argument I had against Real Betis when he was out of place for one step or two steps, that was completely cleaned up for this kind of game in that Len Jose might have been obviously a starter here for Royal Antwerp. And a lot of those Real Betis players, I think, walk into this Belgian starting lineup right off the jump. And so it did feel like Koundé, he could easily handle this one and a good game by him. But let's go back to it. Felix had time to pick up his head after receiving the ball from De Jong and found Lewandowski at the back post where 19-year-old Loney from Dortmund, Samila Koulibaly, was the one to blame for keeping Felix onside, by the way. Also didn't go with Lewandowski for his run to the back post and a learning experience for a 19-year-old. Easy finish for Lewandowski, who becomes the oldest goal scorer in the Champions League for Barcelona at 35, beating out PK's 34 years in 2021 against Dynamo Kiev. But the more fun stat 
is that Jao Felix is the fourth player to score and assist on his Champions League debut for Barcelona since the 2003-04 season. And these three names, if you had told me and gave me, I don't know what, 75 to 85 guesses to guess the three names in totality as to the players who had both scored and assisted on their Champions League debut for Barcelona since the 03-04 season, I don't know if I would get Again, 75, 85 players. I don't know if I get Maxi Lopez, Sergi Busquets, and Ferran Torres. I feel like I miss... Ferran Torres, I would have obviously guessed pretty early. And maybe if I really put my mind to it, Maxi Lopez, I would have guessed as well. But I think now we're already getting to 75 before I start to guess Sergio Busquets, if I had guessed the other two. Uh, maybe 75, 85. That's a lot of players. <laughs> maybe, maybe we're talking about more 45 to 50, but still, it's a long list before I say Maxi Lopez, Sergio Busquets, and Ferran Torres. And now Zhao Felix, who I remind people, because he's on loan and because he's doing well, if he does well for so much of this season, Barcelona won't be able to afford him because Atletico Madrid are not going to sell to Barcelona, which is something they don't do anyway, A, but B, they're not going to sell him unless they're getting 120 million euros, which Barcelona won't be able to afford that regardless of how good he is and how much he wants to return to Barcelona. Maybe they can extend another loan next year if he says, hey, heck with you, Atletico Madrid. I don't want to return, so send me back for a second loan (laughs) next year. But I don't know how that's all going to work out for Jao Felix and Barcelona. But just for this season, just for the moment, just for the ride that you're on, I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that I'm looking beyond this. I want to try to enjoy the moments, like I always said with Messi, like I always said with even PK and Puyol, and we go back. Enjoy the players that are really excelling, and especially the players that we want to call elite. That's a word that we throw around way too much. But Jao Felix, when he came from Benfica, had world-class, elite potential, use all the cliche words that you want to, his potential was that high. And for Atletico Madrid, there were flashes, there were moments, and you could see it. And the system and his fit and everything was never really perfect. I think people felt like that when he came from Benfica about the job he wanted to do. And he was one of those players for Atletico Madrid that you have to have some kind of flash and flair and some players that can strike a ball like that that aren't just these bruising forwards up top. So you do need a different profile if you're going to succeed. And Atletico Madrid had that. He did well enough. But man, is this the best version of Jao Felix that we are seeing so far? It's only been a week and a half. So let's not go crazy just yet and get our hyperbolic with it. But Again, for a guy who's supposed to be elite and who has all the potential in the world still in his early 20s, this week alone has been overtly optimistic. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or 
Piquet and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Headline three is Champions League cruising. The third goal comes. It's a fortunate deflection for Rafinha on his cross off Bataille. Yeah, rough day for him. For Barcelona's third goal, Rafinha would have liked to take credit for it, but yes, it was clearly an own goal. That one wasn't on frame, if not for the deflection. Unlucky, but another cliche that I always use for Barcelona, if they can make their own luck. And I always say in the Champions League, it just feels like they have to be so much better than their opponent, and especially the top, top opponents, to win these games. To win the Champions League, Barcelona have got to be the number one team on everybody's power ranking and say that's the best team in Europe, and that's why they got European glory. That's always how it feels like for Barcelona. But if you're going to make your own luck, you start it here on match day one of the new Champions League campaign. Make your own luck and, yeah, put up goals and put up a lot of them. Get up those confidence, get up that goal differential, and be able to say that by the third or fourth match day, you know that you've basically wrapped up the group. And that's too early to say that because Royal Antwerp might be last place in the group. So this is why you get your goal differential up now. Just like Real Betis, one of the themes of that I continue with this and I said, all those goals that they've scored, Real Betis, I'll say that was a fluke, but yeah, those things happen. Those rare games happen. But against our Antwerp, I think these five goals obviously are a quality thing, and the direction that this game went was a quality thing. That You're not going to have that same ability to, say, be in second gear and still put up goals and still control the match back in the Liga, even, because those teams are better than the one we saw. But what I do carry from Real Betis and from this match that I want to see continue on is that going back to Jao Felix and now adding Jao Cancelo and calling them the Jaos here, they give you a lot of ways to solve problems against opponents that don't necessarily have the elite names in their ranks. You're able to do so many different things. And sometimes at Barcelona, they had so much possession in this game that they were playing a 2-2-6, 
with Cancelo being the one stepping into the pivot and Gabi getting forward closer to the forwards and sitting underneath them with Gundogan almost in this third layer. So yeah, I guess you call it a 2-2-2-4 if you want to do it that way. Cancelo moving into the midfield like this for the second straight game, getting those two consecutive starts. And yeah, maybe he gets rotated this weekend for Sergio Roberto, but he knows exactly when to go, make his moves, underlapping with Afinia when he needed to be, stepping into the midfield when he needed to be, keeping that four back four solid and stable when Royal Antwerp had their moments of possession and Balde would come back and play left back because with Zhao Felix up there, there was a player who didn't need to step in the midfield. He could actually stay wide there. Gabi could just stay in the midfield and do his job. It's just really exciting. And speaking of Gabi, of course, Gabi found a way to earn a yellow up 3-0 in the first half. And maybe he wanted a rest for the second half, which he got, and hoping that his friends Fermi Lopez or Mark Casado would get a chance. But I don't know. In the group stage, in a match like this, up 3-0, I would have loved if Gabi didn't get the yellow card. But you can't have him on all the time. You can't ask for that if you're going to ask him to turn off. So don't ask him to turn off. And you're going to get the highs and you're going to deal with the lows because if Gabi can keep himself from getting too many yellows and get suspended, because even then, if he gets suspended for the second game against our Antwerp, you're not crying because then that clock resets. So I don't know. I'm not too worried about the yellow from Gabi. Young penetrating and Gundogan with some great touches in tight spaces, also as the other two members of that midfield. That gave Baldi a chance late in the first half. He didn't finish, but I thought Balde in second gear here is great. The pressure that Jao Felix takes off of Balde, where he doesn't always have to be the lone option on that left wing. He's not constantly having to be the wide player. He can actually sit in and defend as a left back in a rest defense and prepare for a counterattack that may not necessarily happen. Let's jump ahead to the second half here. 4-0. Gabi gets the goal. Unselfish layoff by Balde, by the way, for Gabi. Balde coming inside, putting a lot of buys, that being Barcelona, right around that 18 because they knew that Moral Antwerp weren't really getting anything going the other way. Cancelo, as I had mentioned, getting inside of Rafinha. The ball bouncing around after some blocks. The ball gets to Gabi, takes it with his left foot. And for Gabi, utter midfield domination against Betis. And then a goal against Antwerp. It's a great week for Barcelona, sure. And it's a great week for Gabi. Honestly, there was a time, and I've been honest about this, where I thought that we were christening Gabi just a bit too quickly and lumming him together with Pedri which says more about how highly I think of Pedri than more than me having a problem with 16, 17, and 18-year-old Gabi in any way. It was more me thinking highly of Pedri and feeling like Pedri was so far ahead of Gabi in the progression already. That made me also feel like we were elevating Gabi a bit too quickly. Maybe I was right sometimes last season or the season before when he was 16, 17, 18 years old. But this little stretch of games here, the only match Barca hasn't won this season was the one that Gabi didn't start, the one that began the season against Adafe. And Gabi has been this season consistent and important because there are times in the past few years, I go back again to the Spanish Super Cup when he was important, but I felt like in the latter half, especially of the spring when Barcelona, their performances were up and down. Gabi wasn't having his best matches when Barcelona were also not having their best matches. And I do stick to the adage that De Jong, when he is really playing well, that is when Barcelona are playing at their best. And when he's struggling, that's when Barcelona at their worst. But Gabi has that similar feel and that's how a midfield should have. If a midfielder is struggling in a game and maybe a Barcelona team isn't doing its best, but when the Barcelona midfield is dominating the opposition, when a Barcelona midfield it looks like they're making things look easy, then you're probably up in the game. And this week, that has certainly been the case. De Jong and Gabi, excellent this week, and Barcelona's results followed. Headline four, five did the job. 57th minute, Romeo and Fermin Lopez for De Jong and Gabi, and then the 5-0 from the corner. Cleared momentarily, Rafinha cuts inside and delivers the ball to the far post where Lewandowski and Jao Felix are both up to meet it. And it's Jao Felix who makes contact with it. And it's an open header because Delet and Alderweireld were both concerned with Lewandowski. Makes sense to me. You want to guard Lewandowski. And that just says a lot about Felix as well. We saw it last game. We saw it this game. 
he smells blood in the water. He wants the gold, and so he goes for him. So that's a second for Felix, and he comes off shy of his hat trick in the 68th minute. Lamini Mall and Ferran Torres on for Jao Felix and Rafinha. Lamini Mall becoming the second youngest player in Champions League history, by the way. Second youngest ever. He's beaten by 50 days. It's actually quite a bit. But you saw from Mokoku of Dortmund, who is still there. And that just has to do with birthdays. If Lamini Mall had a different birthday, then he would have the record here. But yeah, that's just a birthday thing. Still, second youngest ever in Champions League history. It's pretty wild here. Ferran Torres, who also came on at the same time. First touch, almost gets Barcelona 6. And that kind of became the thing. That's why I said headline four here is five did the job. Because really the rest of that game from the 68th minute on was Barcelona desperately different players trying to make history and trying to get that sixth goal here. 74th minute. It was a double save from Ter Stegen, by the way, who kept a clean sheet. First time I've had to say his name and the only time we had to say his name. And that is so hard to do when you haven't done much of anything for almost the entire match. I think it probably would have been offside and they might have actually called it on the broadcast, but you know, we couldn't see it when, when they made the replay. But whether or not that's offside or not, Ter Stegen to keep those out is a reminder that he is still in good form as well. And if he continues, as I said last year, if he continues his fine form, I do think over the course of a long Liga season, as good as Real Madrid is, Ter Stegen and Kepa, Ter Stegen might have the advantage there. And that might actually be the difference over the course of a season where the head-to-head might not actually affect it. But I am getting a bit ahead of myself in the Liga. 75th minute, Sergi Roberto for Cancelo as a last sub. Lamini Mall then right after that, missing a tight angle shot after he had beaten the goalkeeper. Then he had another one deflected less than a minute later when obviously he wanted to make some history by scoring a goal in the Champions League. Would have been the youngest scorer for Barcelona by almost a year over Ansu Fati. So also a reminder too that if Lamini Mall at any point in the 23-24 Champions League campaign gets a goal, it's his record. He becomes the youngest scorer for Barcelona in the Champions League beating Ansu Fati. Fermi Lopez and Lewandowski on that move by Lamini Mall had a right to be frustrated because those were easy finishes for them if he had laid it off. But hey, they're up by five. Kid got a little special trying to make history, and I don't think either of them are going to complain too much about it because Lewandowski himself was denied not too long after that as well. And then Barcelona were denied and denied and denied a bunch more before the final whistle. And it blows. As I said, five did the job. I am not too concerned, especially in that second half. I feel like people always take the second half with them more than the first, but I'm not too concerned that Barcelona did this against for Antwerp. Yeah, I know there won't be the same space against the better teams, but you can only play and beat the teams in front of you. And because they took care of Binston that first half, if anything, I take the first 45 minutes when they were already up 3-0, I take that one to the bank before I care about all the misses and the yada, yada, yada in the second half. And Barcelona were just trying to really put on a show in front of the home crowd. Every team gives you moments in space, by the way, and it's obviously a lot less space and a lot less moments for better opponents. But as long as this team continues to work on their chemistry, figuring things out, I think this is actually the best game, but going to one that I have seen this season. And yes, maybe it's against the worst competition as well, but he was so good in those tight spaces. He was so good in his partnership with Lewandowski. Gabi as a midfielder supporting him. That gives Xavi a lot to think about. And I'm not really going to mention Xavi too much in this game. More it's appraising the players who were given the task to go out against opponents who just weren't as good as them. And Xavi said, hey, I want to trust you guys. There's not a lot of major rotation. Cancelo, you're starting, not Sergio Roberto. And we're only really making two changes. So go out there, get the win, get it any way you can, go get your goals and enjoy yourself. And I think that's what the team did. So I don't have much to say about Xavi's tactics or anything like that. I think this week, again, is just a good week for Barcelona. And if you're cool, like, enjoy that. Like instead of saying, hey, Xavi, you won 5 nothing." Why do you win 8 nothing? You should get fired. I don't care about that today. Let's give Xavi a break for at least a few days here. Because headline 5 has nothing to do with him. It's no place for an addition. Arthur Ramirez, the 18-year-old wearing number 48 in this game. He obviously has been linked to Barcelona. So much to the point where Van Bommel, earlier in the week, when asked about 
him and Xavi and Barcelona may be interested in, he said, hey, if I tell Xavi anything about this player, then they're going to go out and buy him. Now, the reason why I say this is no place for an audition, because I don't really feel like this is a fair shake for Ramirez. His team was just talent-wise blown off the field. And as an 18-year-old, he's still not a finished product as well, but he's shown a lot of bright things from what I've seen from him. I watched one game that he's played in from start to finish, and yeah, he looks like a tidy pivot in a way that a lot of tidy pivots have looked to me at that age over the last few years as I've looked for a replacement for Sergio Busquets. And, you know, I've done my homework on them, and he just looks like another one in that list. One of the only times Alvarp, I will give him credit here, had a moment of being dangerous is because Ramirez rode a tackle from Gundogan and got into Barcelona's half for once in the game. But I don't know. I don't know what his price would be if you're going out 10 and 15 mil for him. Yeah, maybe. And I would trust that Deco in that scouting department does their homework on him if he's the answer. Another one of the names that have popped up too, Gabriel Mascardo, 17-year-old pivot for Corinthians. Chelsea almost got him for 30 mil. I mean, who didn't they almost get young prospects over the summer? 30 mil is what Corinthians were asking for. And apparently Barcelona are linked with him as well. Sure. But having watched an earlier game, which is going to be a little bonus headline here, I don't know. I feel like with Marc Cossett on the bench, he's 20. Is he an elite prospect? Is he really the successor now to Romeu, having been the successor to Busquets? I, I've always said I don't think so. I think he's going to be a really good first team player somewhere in the Liga. Maybe even the Segunda division, maybe Casado isn't necessarily that level, but at 20, he still has ways and development to go. But I don't see him as the future of Barcelona's pivot position. Pau Prim, 17. I mean, could he be the heir to the throne? Mark Bernal is 16. Could he be the heir to the throne? Danny Avila is 16. I mean, I have never seen in the academy in the I mean, what, 15, 16 years that I've been covering them and we've had footage and be able to watch some of these matches and things like that. I have not seen... A group like this, again, you're talking about the pivots and defensive midfielders in this group, 16, 16, 17, 20. And now you're, again, looking at another 17-year-old in Brazil who's 30 million euros and an 18-year-old in Belgium who you just destroyed. I know the idea of getting a pivot, especially with how important defensive midfielders are in the modern game and with the prices that defensive midfielders are now going for. I mean, Moises Tocedo going for what, like 130 million to Chelsea. And I know that Chelsea and Saudi Arabia and EPL have once again, very much like Neymar did to BSG, have broken the transfer market values and things like that because it really is just two leagues paying for certain things and everybody else paying for for other players in, in other ways. That's beside the point. I have not had more confidence that a pivot could come from the academy in the time that I've been working with that. And again, it's not that I'm saying I'm pushing all my chips in like the way people did with Sergio Samper and stuff and said, oh, that, that of course, that's going to be the heir apparent or whatever the next player was up in. I, I've given you the list before. But between Costa del Prim, Bernal, Danny Avila, is it crazy to say that it, it can be one of them? And I'm almost changing my tune a little bit when I'm saying if you're going out and getting a, another 17 or 18 year old anyway, just trust the 16-year-old that you already have that is considered just a top prospect here. Transfer market is starting to take notice as well. Mark Bernal has been giving a transfer value of $1 million. He's one of just four players from that 2007 age group, as in born in 2007, that's a million or higher. Kenry Paez, the, I mean, Chelsea have already gone in on him, but really exciting player from Ecuador. A center back from Dynamo Zagreb is second, and then Lamini Mall blows everybody out of water with $25 million market value, which is insane. But anyway, so one and four on that 2007 age list are both players for Barcelona. And for Marc Bernal to be that high already and to be valued by transfer mark means that somebody else outside of the Barcelona circle is impressed by this kid. Which brings us to the bonus headline. I don't do a six headline, but it's the bonus headline here. I also did watch the UEFA Youth League 
2-1 win this morning over Royal Antwerp's U19s. And as I mentioned, Mark Bernal, he wasn't in the match, neither was Hexter Fort, because those two stayed with Barca Athletic. Pau Cabarsi and Lamine Yamal were with the first team, along with the goalkeeper, Diego Cochin. And while Kubarsi did not make the bench because he's part of the Champions League squad, I would expect that he's more likely to make a debut if Barcelona wraps up the group more than he will be playing in the UEFA Youth League this year. But the starting lineup for those who care about the academy stuff, Jakob Isvili was in net. Albert Navarro was at left back. Andres Cuenca was the left center back. Avaro Cortez and Alexis Almedo from left to right. Crystal Munoz, Pau Prim, and Noah Darvich were the midfielders. And then Danny Rodriguez on the left. Mark G and Neil Cadero on the right wing. So a bunch of different names that we've heard before. Again, Prem, Noah Darvish, Cristo Munoz was a really highly rated player from the age of like eight whenever he arrived to the academy. And then we've heard some other names too. Off the bench, G Fernandez, who you heard me speak about in the last La Masia update. Danny Avila, who I just mentioned there as another one of the defensive midfielder prospects. Juan Hernandez, Javi Espar, and Arnaud Pradas, who you've heard me talk about the winger before. Those were the five subs. And you know what's shocking is how young this team is, though. This is a really, really young group. Out of 16 players that played against Antwerp's U19s, only three of them have played in a youth league before, that being Pau Prim, Mark G, and Danny Rodriguez. So 13 players for Barcelona today made their youth league debuts, which is usually not the case. About 60% of a team carries over from year to year, or sometimes it can be less than that. But I can tell you, 13 to 3 is not... 60%, anything like that. The two goals in the game, Alice Almeida got one from Pau Prim's corner on a header, and then Danny Rodriguez scored. It was flirting with the Galazzo. Maybe at that level, you called it Galazzo. And my takeaways from this game, surely with that Danny Rodriguez, who Xavi's already had in first team training a bit. The left winger also took him to Japan, along with Mark Xi and and some of the others, and Pau Prim. So he's already on the radar. We already know about him, that being Danny Rodriguez, but he clearly looked like the best player in the game by not even a little bit. His work in tight spaces, his dribbling, and just an eye for a goal and making something happen was really good. I was impressed by G. Fernandez, who came off the bench. It was the first time I saw him against players that again, weren't 14 years old or whatever. So the first time I got to see him against 16, 17, and I don't know if Orlando had an 18 or 19-year-old in there too. But anyway, just 15 is G. Fernandez. That's wild as well, but he looked like he could make quick decisions. And I did tell you, even though he's just 15, he's one to watch because if Xavi's going to call 16-year-olds in Lamina Mall and Pau Gabarsi, then if they're 15, does that mean they're on the precipice of the first team with Barcelona's financial stuff? Yeah, maybe G. Fernandez is only, I mean, who knows how far away he is. I'm not getting too crazy about an individual here, but some of the other names you want to hear, Andres Cuenca, I mean, there's a lot of center backs in front of him. Mika Faye, right, for Barca Athletic in front of him. Pau Gabarsi in front of him. But I thought both he and Varro Cortez, there are definitely some things there. I think they will succeed somewhere. Maybe it's not at Barcelona because, again, there's way too many center backs to be worrying about in front of him. But at 16, he looked fine for a 16-year-old center back. I thought he was good. I mentioned Mark G before in the past. I thought his movement was good. I didn't see some of the other La Masia Focus accounts talking about how good he was, but I really thought his movement was good, even though he didn't get a goal. And I also thought Pau Prim was fine. He wasn't great. I I don't really know what his ceiling is. I kind of said that before, but I thought he was good. I thought he was the better pivot in the game. And then Noah Darvich would be the other talking point here. I thought he was better with Barca Athletic when I have seen him, and I felt like because he practices with Rafa Marquez's team, and that's his team, he is a member of Barca Athletic, 
and maybe he didn't really feel comfortable with or know his U19 teammates as much. This is obviously probably his first time, maybe he had trained with Cristo Munoz and Paul Prim before, but this felt like this first time playing in that duo and then working with Neil Cardero felt like his first time working with him as well. So I don't know. I feel like no Darvich. I want to kind of make an excuse for him to say that he's exactly where he needs to be. He is still just 16. I know he was a quote unquote bigger prospect, but yeah, just give him a few months at least to get used to playing at Barcelona and totally fine that he wasn't perfect in a UEFA Youth League game that Barcelona won. It is such a crazy thing, and, and Young Kool-Aid's had the list here, and I'll give them credit. But between Barca B and Juvenil A, the U19s, Guy Fernandez, Andres Cuenca, Pauco Barsi, Mark Bernal, Danny Rodriguez, Anja Alacan, Mika Faye, Noah Darvich, Pau Prim, Alex Gordito, Hector Fort. Usually, Frances Tomas said this better than anybody else for years, right? Even when Elas Moriba was breaking in, that from every generation or even one to two years, you feel like you're going to get one. But this is just weird. I, I know it's a financial situation that Barca's in. I coupled that with the talent. And and you almost call that perfect timing, where timing meets opportunity, uh, whatever that leads to, that leads to you being in the first team. Because I think from this group, I just gave you 11 names. And from those 11 names, I said, I would usually say pick one or two, maybe they get into the first team. But from this group, I'm not going to go five or six, but there's got to be four players that'll be first team players or make at least 30 to 50 appearances for the first team from this group. They're just really talented for their age group, like these 16, 17 year olds. And that's a long way to go. But without hyperbole, I'm saying that's the best center back prospect we've seen since blah, 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 blah. And that kid of 15 is one of the better 15 year old prospects we've seen since blah, 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 blah. And we have all of these defensive midfield and pivot prospects that we've not seen before. And Hector Fort is the best right back prospect since blah, blah, blah. And it just goes down and down the list. Then you bring in Noah Darvich and Mika Faye and Barcelona's evaluating talent at that level as well. So I'm not sold on any one player that I just mentioned from that 11, but it does feel like it's not a matter of Lamini Mall and Gabi and there's too many young players in the first team. It's almost a matter of who's next from that list that Xavi's going to say, yeah, all right, I can't keep you down there. You're just too good. We got to give you first team minutes and there's going to be moments for you to take those opportunities. So my guess as to who it is, is anybody's guess, but it was a good day to be a Kool-Aid. Two wins, both in UEFA Youth League, 2-1, but more importantly, the first team coming out with that 5-0. And now it's right back to the Liga and it's right back to having conversations and focusing on that Spanish title. The Barcelona are defending champs in and they're already two points behind Real Madrid. So you've got to win every match. With Real Madrid winning every match, that's the only way forward if you're Barcelona at this point in the Liga. But at this point, if you keep playing like you have this week into next week, it's going to be fun to be a Kool-Aid for the near future. As I remind you, if you're still with me and you're not subscribed, I mean, there's got to be one or two of you, maybe, but subscribe. And I did see on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, people left reviews, and I appreciate that. That's awesome. It had been a while since I saw those, so thank you for those. I appreciate all y'all. And until next time, as always, Forza Barca. Barca.